Uh, if you've been around for a few weeks and we haven't had the opportunity to meet, we'd love to say hello. And uh, there's a little card in the back of the chair in front of you. It says belong on the top of it. It looks like this behind me. There'll be a picture of it. If you take a couple of seconds to fill that out and swing by our next steps area before you leave today. They've got a little gift they'd like to give you and just our way of saying thanks. But uh, also want to let you know, uh, just a reminder that in a few weeks, we've got a pretty cool little event coming up on September the 17th. We're going to have a car show. If you weren't, we're kind of partnering with the uh, Bourbon Camaro Club on that. They're, they're uh, running it. We're just hosting it. But if you didn't come last year, it's a lot of fun and hope that you'll make some time and uh, put that on your calendar to be here for that. But also, we're really excited next Sunday, uh, next week at 6 p.m., We've got a special event we're calling Life Group Launch Party, and you, you see these cards that are on the seats when you came in. Uh, what we're going to do, hey, if you've been looking for an opportunity to connect, you're like, yeah, I'd like to really meet some other people that go to church here, or how do I get involved? Maybe you want to join a, a small group or something like that. This event is really for you, and what we're going we're gonna to be in this room uh, next Sunday at 6 p.m. We've got a catered meal. It's all free. We're going to have a trivia night. So if you've ever been a part of that, it's a lot of fun. You'll be with your table and uh, just some trivia questions. There'll be some prizes for that. And, uh, and, and really the, the hope of it, the goal is that you would, be, uh, that you would be, be jumping into a small group. But we need to know how many to prepare for uh, because we're buying the food. So if you would fill this card out just with your best contact info and drop this off at the next steps before you leave today, uh, just so we, we want to make sure we can feed everybody. It's free. There's no cost to you. So it's going to be a great time and hope that you'll be here. Also, child care is provided. So if you, if you need that, feel free to bring the kids along too. And, uh, and it's going to be a really, really good time. But now i got a couple of people we need to celebrate. Last weekend, we had a, a couple of people who took a really big step in their relationship with Jesus. First, I want to introduce you to Deborah Metters who was baptized first service, and I uh, just want to celebrate Deborah and her, uh, her, her decision there. And second service was Billy Joe Powell, who gave her life to Christ. We were really excited for Billy Joe. It was a great day. Now, this is about uh, the third week that we've been in this series we call The Forgotten Ways, looking at what were the, what were the rhythms and the habits of the early Christians in the New Testament? What are the things that they did that they knew were super important to follow Jesus? And it was just part of their growth. It was just part of their, their rhythm. But a lot of times, for, for a lot of us, we've, we've kind of we've sidelined that stuff. We, we look for a workaround or something, you know, to, but it's, it's never going to get us uh, the kind of growth that we're looking for. So that's the, the things that we're, we've been looking at the last few weeks. Now, I've got a person, a guy that lives down the street from me, and we've had the chance to get to know each other a little bit over the last couple of years. He's a great guy. Uh, he knows that I'm a pastor. We've had a few conversations about, about faith and things like that. At one time, uh, a couple years ago, I invited him to come to our church and bring his family, and, and he was really pretty hesitant. He just kind of says, oh, well, we, we, we go to church. And uh, so I backed off and said, well, that's, that's great. And one day I was over at his house, and we were, we were doing a little work in his yard. He says, hey, you've got a chainsaw. Can you come over and help me cut something up? So we're, we're working. And he says to me, he says, hey, listen, I really need you to pray for us. And I said, well, sure, what's, what's going on? He said, well, my, uh, my son's going to jail, and I don't know what to do about that. We've tried everything, and, 
our marriage is pretty rocky, and financially we're stretched pretty thin. There's a lot of pressure there, and oh, I, I really hate my job, and by the way, I, to be honest, I really don't like my life. There's just a lot going on. Would you pray for me? And I thought, man, that's a pretty long extended prayer list there, but uh, sure, I, I'm going to pray for you, but, but then I, I, uh, I thought, this is kind of different. So I asked him, and I'm thinking back to my conversation a while ago where I invited him to church. He, no, no, we, we go to church. So I said, well, where do you, where do you guys worship at? And uh, what's the name of your church? And he says, oh, well, I, uh, I really don't remember the name of it. And I said, well, uh, are, are you involved in a group or anything like that? He said, no. I said, well, do you serve? He says, no. So I asked, when is the last time that you actually were there, that you went to worship at your church? And he said, well, I, we went back on Easter. And that was when the conversation changed a little bit because I said, man, you know, the work that God wants to do in your life is a lot more than just going to church once or twice a year. There's a lot more than that. There's something, this is something that the early ch- church really understood church was not a place that they went to it's who they were they were the church individually every one of them and corporately together and they knew that was their identity now there's a verse in the new testament book of acts that describes what the people who made up the church 2,000 years ago what they were like and i'm going to read a few verses i just want you to see how amazing this is in acts chapter 2 Beginning in verse 42, it says that all of the believers devoted themselves. Now, that's a key phrase. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple every day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. A couple chapters later, it says this about them in Acts chapter 4. It says that all the believers, they were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. And the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them. Because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. There's a lot of amazing things in those few verses. And and I really hope what you notice is that these people, they, they weren't just about going to church. They had formed a community. They were a people. And and it was built around generosity. Now we're gonna dig into community in just a few weeks and, and take a look at that. But what, what I see as I read this text is that this is a group of folks who had a deep, very deep sense of respect and genuine love for each other. They authentically cared about what was happening 
in each other's lives and making sure that one another were provided for and cared for and they were devoted to God's word and to worship. They wouldn't neglect it. It was just that natural. It was part of their everyday rhythm and it radically changed their lives. The fellowship, the community, the generosity, all of those things absolutely changed them. And it's because of, of their example that we're here today. Because the church continued to grow and the message of Christ continued to go around the world. And it, this is who these people were. They flourished as a result. They were devoted to one another. And they were devoted to following Jesus. And I want us to see how, how devotion and generosity, how they work together in the most amazing and life-changing ways. This is where our faith goes from just something that we talk about and something that we say we believe. This is where the rubber really, really, really meets the road. The scripture says they worship together every day. And they met in each other's homes. They shared meals together. They would take the Lord's Supper together and the Lord kept adding to the number. There were no needs among them. No needy people because of the extravagant generosity. This has really become a, a forgotten way for us. In their culture, the, the idea of, of devotion and sacrifice for others, it's, uh, for our, in our culture, it seems that, that seems to take a back seat to what will benefit me the most. You know, what's going to happen? What, what is, you know, how's this going to come back to help me in some way? And, and yet we have this wonderful and this beautiful example of a group of people. We're told they had everything in common. They took care of one another in such a way there was no needs among them. Wonderful picture. And yet I, I, would, I would say that money is for us, I think perhaps along with, with sex, I think is, it can be the most evil and pervasive idol in our entire culture. Don't tell me what to do with my sexuality, and don't tell me what to do with my finances. Those are mine. And whatever the Bible has to say, those are the two areas where there's the greatest resistance. So a lot of us, we're asking ourselves, you know, what does is, what is God want for my life? What is God's will? That's probably the number one question as a pastor that I get. If somebody comes in, they say, you know, I'm, I'm thinking through, I'm working through some things in my faith, and... I just need to know, what does God want me to do? What's his plan for my life? Do I turn right or do I turn left? That's, we all want to know. It's a million-dollar question. How does God want me to live? And we, we treat the will of God like it's some kind of mystery to be solved. It just seems kind of a little, a little mysterious, but, but it's really not that difficult. He lays it out for us. He has called us to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's the calling upon your life and my life. And in every area, in every, in every little corner of our life, that we are fully devoted, fully committed to Jesus Christ and following him. And I want you to see how devotion and generosity are essential in the Christian life. Let's start with, with the Holy Spirit. Generosity is the evidence of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. Unquestionably. Generosity is the evidence of the Holy Spirit. One of the signs that we see that someone has met Jesus and has received the Holy Spirit is they have a, a transition in their view of, of everything that they possess. We read it in, in Acts 4 verse 31. It says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. 
says they were, they were filled and they gave generously. Cause and effect. They're filled with the Holy Spirit, and so they gave. The Holy Spirit empowered them to be generous. And then we read in verse 33 that they had great power. When Luke uses the, the language of power, it's, it's almost always in reference to the Holy Spirit. That it, that it was powerful. You and I, we are not naturally inclined toward generosity. Our natural inclination is, is closed-fisted. You know, to go out and get some, and that's mine, and this is mine, and it belongs to me, and I've worked for this. Generosity is not natural. It's supernatural. It's something outside of ourselves, and God has to change us. He has to connect us to Jesus and provide for us through the power and the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that he births in us, in his church, is generosity. It is a hallmark it is a non-negotiable rhythm in the life of a believer in Jesus Christ that we are a generous people because we serve a generous God. And that means that we're not just looking for ways that we can take, but we're looking for opportunities that we can give. And it becomes this, this change because we know, and this is, this is the shift that happens in our mind is we know that everything that we have has been given to us by God. That he's entrusted it to us for just a short little while. And we're grateful for the generosity of God. And then we're generous to others because we want to mirror. We, we want to reflect and worship this God who has been so generous to us. I, I kind of think about it like, I don't know if it's a perfect example, but I think about it like, a, like an executor of a, you know, someone's estate. If you're the executor, your job, your role is, okay, here's the, here, here's the, uh, the finances or whatever, the, the estate, and your job is to follow what has been laid out in a person's will. You know, the, the, the money, the, the resources are passing through you to others to go where they've been directed to go. And, and, and maybe you're provided for a little bit, and that's kind of our role in, in this world, in this life. God has given to us for a little bit. With instructions that this is how you're to use this. Now I will continue to provide for you as you continue to provide for others. It really is about the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and so maybe if, you, if you're sitting there and you think, oh gosh, you know, I don't want to talk about money. I don't like talking about money. I don't like when Brandon gets up there and talks about money. Well, the Holy Spirit is trying not only to get the, the money out of your wallet, but he's trying to get the idol out of your heart. Because you cannot serve God and money. Maybe he's dealing with the deep root issue of your soul, and that is that you are a lover of money. That you love it. I think we all naturally were inclined that way. Like I said, generosity is not natural. It's supernatural. It's something, it's a work the Holy Spirit is doing within us, and that makes it hard. It really makes it difficult for us. We cannot be a, a lover of, of money and simultaneously be a lover of God. It just doesn't work. It's evidence of the Holy Spirit. But here's, here's another thing. Generosity is also the evidence of mission. We see this in Acts 4, verse 33. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. So Jesus is God. He becomes a man. He lives without sin. He dies for our sin. 
He rises for our salvation. He ascends back into heaven. That's what we read you know, early on in the book of Acts. And then he sends the Holy Spirit to empower his people to continue his mission. And that's us today. We're blessed to be a part of that. We are on mission. He has sent the Holy Spirit to us and has given us marching orders. Um, in the end of the book of Matthew, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And I tell you to go. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize uh, these people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'll be with you. We, we are part of that. It's what we do. It's who we are. For the early church, their generosity, the reason that they gave was to forward the message. To forward the mission and the ministry of Jesus. They said this is too important. This is too vital. It cannot die with us. If the early church, had they not been generous, the message of Jesus, how would it have, how would it have moved forward? They had, to, they had to move it forward. It takes money for a company to move forward. It takes money for a family to move forward. And it takes money for a ministry to move forward. And God's people immediately, because of the Holy Spirit in them, they have this desire to fund the mission of getting the message out about the Messiah. They just want it to go out. That's been one of the most exciting parts of being part of, of this ministry. Um, I think this past week and kind of going back and reflecting on different things that God has done over the years. And, you know, you just, you just got to thank God for, for how he provides for us and how he has always been faithful and God's people have been faithful. Uh, we, we typically average between 40 and 60 baptisms a year which is about one about one person a week comes through here and meets Jesus and accepts his invitation to become their savior that happens because of your devotion to the Lord because of your generosity that keeps it moving forward that's the reason it happens God is doing the heavy lifting but he's using you as a part of that mission Another thing that, that I know about this, though, is that generosity, it's an evidence of the Holy Spirit. It is about mission, but also it is evidence of unity. In Acts 4, verse 32, it says that all the believers were united in heart and mind. There are a whole bunch of people, and yet it says they're, they're, they're united. You know, Fairdale Christian is a whole bunch of people. We all look a little different, but, but we're all one church. We're one people. There's unity there. The greatest way to have unity is by generosity. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of, uh, I've seen, I have seen a lot of church fights and church splits and divisions. It's always between the takers and the takers. Every single time. It's the people who want this and these people who want this. And, you know, it's never really an issue that those who, the givers and the givers, there's never really an issue between the givers and the givers. It's like, you know what, here's a need. We need to take care of this. Well, I'm going to take care of that need. No, 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 you're not going to take care of that need because I'm going to take care of that need. No, 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 you shut your mouth. I'm going to take care of No, me. It's like we need to calm down here before a hug breaks out, guys. You just, you just don't have divisions between the givers and the givers. Generous people tend to get along. It's kind of funny how that happens. But generous people tend to build unity because generosity is an evidence of the Holy Spirit in their life. It's an evidence that they're following Jesus. 
It's evidence that they are unified. I would tell you the people who are the most unified in this church are also the most generous to the ministry of this church. Because your treasure follows your heart, the Lord Jesus says. And that's why the early church, they were united in heart and mind. They were diverse, just like we're diverse, different ethnicities, different socioeconomic levels, different backgrounds, all kinds of different stories, but they had one Jesus. One Jesus. And that was enough. And they were going to be about that. And we see that their generosity is a demonstration of their unity. But it continues that generosity is also an evidence of love. It says in verse 34 of Acts 4, there were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. It's almost as if these people who were blessed enough to have a little more couldn't stand to continue to have more when they'd see brothers and sisters didn't have any. So we just can't, we just can't let that be. That's part of how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. He will give us each individually little assignments. You take care of the need that you see over there. You see something, God has prompted your heart. You know, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. God says, look, do you see that? Do you see that need? Now, I want you to go and do something about it. Now, it can get really weird when we try to organize that. If we try to organize the Holy Spirit's work, it just, it gets a little, it can get legalistic real fast. Sometimes people will come to me and they'll say, people will say, oh, you know, they got this burning passion because they see a need somewhere in the community or in their neighborhood or wherever, you know, they just see something. And they say, oh, I really feel convicted about this. And we've got to do something about this. And, and so, that, so we as a church, we need to do something about this. And sometimes they might be right. Sometimes the church collective, we need to come together and, and do something and rally around that. But most of the time, in those instances, when someone says, boy, I really I, I see something, I got this passion. You as the church, you as an individual follower of Jesus, as part of God's church, and anointed by his spirit, called out for good works, you have been prompted by the Holy Spirit to do something about that need. And I'm afraid that sometimes our way of wiggling out of something because we love our money or we love our time, you know, I don't want to sacrifice my own time. What we do is we, we feel personally convicted about something. We see a need. God has made us aware of that. Our eyes, we see it. And we say, well, the the church needs to do something about this. And you're right. And you are the church. And God has anointed you and he has called you, he is prompting you. Don't ignore it. So what I want to encourage you with and ask you is as the Holy Spirit puts people in front of you and opens your eyes, opens an opportunity, make yourself available to that. To share, to be generous, to give. You know, love is, is sometimes is what we say. You know, we say, I love you. you now, love sometimes is what we do. I want to help you. But love is often what we give. We say, This is for you. This is, you know, this is for you. You think about, I mean, as an example, you think of uh, if you've got a guy, husband, father that 
that uh, he's got all the toys. You know, maybe he's got himself a couple of cars, a couple of classic cars, and he's got a boat, and he's got a camper, and he's got all the things that he loves. And he'd say, man, I just, I love my family. I love my wife and I love my kids. And you see the wife is like, the wheels are falling off her car and the kids don't have good clothes. And, you know, there's not much food in the pantry. Oh, but I I love my family. No, you don't. You don't love your family. You love you. At least you don't love them the way you think you do. Maybe you love the idea of loving them. Same thing. Love is very often about what we give. It's demonstrated with generosity. And all of this is birthed out of devotion and commitment to God and commitment to each other. I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I, love watching, uh, I love watching UofL sports. Uh, Megan and I, we're, we're, we're our season ticket holders for the men's basketball season. I, I love watching them play even when they're not playing well. And when they're not playing well, I get great seats because nobody's there. You know, I just move right on down and sit on the floor. But uh, I, I, love, I love that. Now, I, I haven't always been a Louisville fan. I grew up in northern Kentucky, and, and we were all U.K. fans up there. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but I'll tell you, after, after moving here, I, uh, I made the switch because I wanted to go to games, Jr. I didn't want to sit and watch it on TV like you. I want to actually be in the crowd. I was like, I got to root for the home team. I had to learn, you know, learn to become, uh, become a lover, and, and, I, and I did. But, uh, but when I did that, I had a lot of my friends that couldn't understand that, and they've called me all kinds of terrible four-letter words that I can't uh, repeat in here. Like, how could you, you're a traitor, how could you switch teams? And, you know, but, uh, but you learn devotion, right? You learn to be devoted. We used to have season football tickets, and uh, I, I gave them up. Because, and it, it really has nothing to do with how they're playing. The reason I gave them up, and this is, this is terrible, but is because I, I guess I really am the definition of a fair weather fan. If it's cold, if it's snowing, or if it's raining, I'm just not going to sit out there. I'm sorry. I'm just not, not going to do it. And um, the first year that we had season football tickets, um, I, I can't remember what year it was. I think it was around... 2017. But I was so excited. We had these tickets. We're ready to go to the game. We got everything ready. We're going to tailgate. We're going to do the whole nine yards. And uh, it rained so hard, that first home game, that, I mean, it was, it was terrible. There was like, they showed it on TV, like the, uh, the stairwells going down. Just looked like little rivers. I mean, just water just pouring from, from everywhere. And uh, I was so bummed. The, the game went on, but we sat in this little restaurant across the street from the stadium, and I sat there and just counted in my mind how much money I just gave away because we're, we're not at the game. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. But, uh, but there were a few people that stayed. They'd show on TV. You'd look at this, the huge stadium, and there's just maybe a couple of dozen people. They had their ponchos and what I mean, they're trying to cover them, but they're just getting blasted. I mean, they look like drowned rats sitting down there. And you look at these people and they're, they're there the whole time. Why would they do that? Because they were supporting the team, because they were devoted. They're the, the real fans, you know, they're the really devoted. And a lot of us, we are devoted, right? We, we know what that means. We're devoted until it costs us something. And then when it's not comfortable anymore, 
All that devotion just goes out the window. That's where devotion runs out. That's why we're prone to leaving marriages. That's why we're prone to leaving churches and leaving careers and abandoning projects because we won't allow ourselves, we won't do the hard work of learning to become fully devoted. As in, I don't compromise, period. Here's my definition for the day is devotion is birthed from love and it's evidenced by generosity. You give of yourself sacrificially. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care how long I have to wait or how uncomfortable I may get. This is where Christianity is different from every other religion the world over. Because God asks you, before, before God asks you to give anything, before he asks you to give anything, God gives you everything. And that's amazing. Our God is a giver, not a taker. The best known verse in the whole Bible, John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave. Devotion is birthed from love, evidenced by generosity. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God has given us everything. He is a giver, not a taker. Now, God does take. Now, if you're, if you're new and you're not a Christian, get ready for... For the mind blow here, okay? Ready? So, so if you're here today, you say, well, okay, I'm not a Christian. I'm not sure about all this stuff, um, but maybe I want to be. Maybe I want to follow Jesus. What do I give him? What do you give him? What does God ask you to give him? Like if, I, if, if I'm going to ask you for something, right? If, if, if I say, okay, you want to follow me? Here's what I need from you. Uh, I, I would not ask for what God asked for. You know what he asked for? Sin. Just give me your old busted up life. You give me the broken parts of you. Give me the worst and watch what I replace it with. Like if I was, you know, if I was God with a Christmas list, like what do you want? Yeah, what do you want this, from this person? Oh, sin. I, I want everybody's sin. I want all of the sin, right? That's not, that's not, that's just how you know we didn't make the Bible up. You know, who, who would say that? Nobody made this up. This is a God who's beyond our comprehension of kindness. Way beyond our comprehension of generosity. And this is what he says. He says, give me your sin. And I will give you my salvation, forgiveness, righteousness, eternal life, love, adoption into my family, new nature, and the Holy Spirit. You give me all the busted up parts of yourself, and I'm going to give you the best. That's what I get. Like That's what I get. That's not a fair deal. It's not. It's a grace deal. That's who your God is. That's how he interacts with you. And Jesus goes to the cross, and he dies for our sin, and he pays our debts to God, and then he he invites you on a mission with him. He says, hey, there's a whole world full of people that are lost. There's a whole world full. I mean, you don't have to look very far at all. A whole world full of people that are broken. And they're still in their sin. They don't know their Savior Let's go get them. Let us, Jesus says, you link arms with me. Let's go together. Let's get them. And you say, yeah, that'd be amazing. I'd love people to, to meet you, Jesus. You know, after all you've done for me, uh, I want everyone to experience that. And Jesus, Jesus says, all right, if you're going to go with me on this, if you're going to be a part of this, then let me put some stuff in your hands. 
Let me give you some things, but don't hold it like this. Hold it like this. I will provide to you as you use what I've provided to provide for others. Don't just keep it. Share it. The Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. You know who the most joyful person is? It's God. The most joyful person is God because no one has given more than he has. No one has more joy than the Lord has. And when people, when when God's people get God's heart, we become generous because we are becoming more like our Savior. We become more joyful. We experience the joy of giving and we get to see others experience grace. And man, that just lights you up. We're so glad that Jesus would share with us this message and this mission of generosity and salvation. So that's my challenge to you today. If we're thinking about the forgotten ways, what is it that the early church knew that we've lost? They were so, it seemed like God used them so powerfully. Why does it seem so often that, boy, we see these amazing things that were happening in the lives of these early people. Why does it sometimes feel a little empty for us? Because of the forgotten ways. A lot of it's anchored right back to our lack of devotion. Don't ever underestimate what God can do through the life of one person who is fully, completely devoted to him. I pray that would be us. We pray for you. Lord, to thank you for the ways that you provide for us, for every one of our needs, you've not left us and you have not, you have never left us wanting. You've never left us in, in, the, in the sinful mess that we were, but you, you find us, you, you pick us up, you, you take our sin and you forgive us and restore us. May we never forget just the the high price that you paid so that we can be called your children. Lord, I thank you for your son, Jesus, and I thank you for the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate example that we have of what it looks like to give. Lord, may we be those people as we leave here, as we see and identify needs around us. Would you help us to rise to the occasion, help us to understand that Everything that you have given us for a time is to be used and to be shared for the benefit of your people. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.